Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except for that old CD single of the Vanilla Ice Ninja Rap. Nunchucks are not a toy. You got a record of your favorite songs. You got an hour and it won't take long. You got a pair of brand new friends. You got a ticket gonna stick to the end. I said, now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this show. discovered indie rock and that sort of guided me on my creative path i'm still into you dreams really do come true anyone can play indie rock it's for everyone i feel in You thought that you got rid of us. We've caught you. and Right in the trap. You're going honey trap. into the detention of our podcast. <laughs> so get out that remedial math work you didn't finish. Mm-hmm. Get it on the desk. This is going to be work, everyone. You have a lot of listening to, and work to do. Hey, uh, thanks for coming back to now hear this podcast season we two. We are back again. We're excited about it. We got a lot of great... Feedback from you guys about season one. Some of it was shouting, which I thought was unnecessary. Shouting. Yeah, very hard to do in an email, but the caps locks have really put put it on. <laughs> and I just my eyes are blinded by sound via text. Yeah, blinded by sound was a working title we had going of this show, right? Mm-hmm. So when last we left us, your heroes, we were talking about Christmas. Now Christmas is long over. The tree's been burned. Santa's been shot. The reindeer ran over Grandma, yeah. mm-hmm. and she's dead. A lot of the decorations are still up. The decorations also. are up. Grandma's dead. Gone. Not buried. Not buried. But she is she's dead. She's back. Yeah. And, you know, now we're back with season two, and we're really excited to dive back in here to this album exchange that we've got going. And yes. Ryan and I have picked a whole new slate of records for season a two. A panel play. Is that a was that a word? I don't know. That's the word, right? Penal Penelope. I think it's Penelope. Penelope. And Penelope that's a, that's Cruz. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pineapple? That's a thing. People know about that. Just that's a word. A couple of guys saying words. <laughs> Isn't that what a podcast is? 
Uh, Saying words to possibly seven people total. Mm -hmm. We have fun. No, but we did actually a lot of people listen to our show, and it was really fun to interact with everybody and get some emails. A lot of criticism of not enough audio clips in the show. Maybe we'll change that. Maybe we won't. I don't know yet. Yeah. I'm excited to find out either way. Well, look, we're uh, excited to be back here. Season two, we've got our season two personas ready. Yeah. We've got our season two records queued up. And please keep the feedback coming because all that's mm-hmm. really great. But in the meantime, we've got our first record of the season here, Ryan. And it's one I brought to you. Oh, yeah. To listen to called uh, The Voyager by Hello. an artist uh, named Jenny Lewis. Voyager. Jenny Lewis. So I knew enough about her to be surprised by this record. Yeah. I knew about her 10 years ago or so, and I had no idea she kept up such a fantastic recording career. Were you familiar with Rilo Kiley at all? or Rilo Kiley, and then there's a series of sassy indie rock women. This, this is your forte. Sassy indie rock women. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I would put Florence from Florence and the Machine in there. Yeah, for I sure. I would put Jenny in there. I would put... Our friend Eleanor from the Fiery Furnaces in there. Zoe. There's a couple of Zoe. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Absolutely. There's one other. I'm um, Nico Case. Nico, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, there's this group of women that were making records like this at this time. And sometimes I have a hard time telling the difference between them. But ultimately, I, you know, I knew Jenny Lewis from, and we talked about this It was in the last couple of days, the Ben Gibbard Handle with care. Yeah, cover. Mm-hmm. Definitely saw that when it happened, but a lot, I, a lot of this was new for me. Well, good. Well, that's what this is for. So you know, this show is designed so I bring you an album that I love, feel passionately about, and then you check that out as maybe having not been so familiar, and vice versa. And mm-hmm. we learned a lot in season one. I'm excited to share this one with you. It's one I was going to put in season one. Glad I didn't because I think it's a great season two opener. Mm-hmm. So we'll dive in here. We'll talk a little bit about. Jenny Lewis's bio here, and sure. then we'll get into the record. But as you mentioned, Jenny Lewis has had a long music career, but it actually didn't start in music. She started as a child's actor, a child right. star. She got her start in the uh, 80s doing commercials, Barbie, Toys R Us, Corn Pops, a whole bunch of stuff. Pick out your cereal and let's get going. Coming. Oh, no, that kid took the last box of Kellogg's Corn Pops. Stay calm. Uh, sir, you're out of Corn Pops. Please, just pick something. She graduated from commercials to television roles, including, and this is, I watched an episode of this, being cast as Lucille Ball's grandchild in the 1986 short-lived show Life with Lucy. Life with Lucy. uh, Which was quickly canceled. Um, Yeah, I've never heard of that. And lost its time slot to the facts of life. It's, I watched a whole episode of it in preparation for this show. Was it worth it? It was like watching Keenan and Kel with Lucille Ball playing both Keenan and Kel. Wow. I'll tell you later. It's kind of an ugly little story. <laughs> He's cute. He's adorable. No, so am I. The sets looked remarkably similar. They were too. the same set. <laughs> they might have been, yeah, honestly. Welcome to Good Burger. Was Good Burger. Oh, that's Lucy, all that. welcome to Good... That's a terrible... <laughs> that was good. That was good. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the good... Because <laughs> I've got a guy with a mental illness. <laughs> the rare Swedish dub of Keenan and Kel. The Swedish Keenan and Kel. <laughs> I read he's a real doll to right, work with. Right, right, Guys, I'm rusty at this. I haven't done this in a long time. I'm rusty too, but I'm feeling the rust shake off. So this was no 
small role for her. Like it was, it was a pretty decent thing. And even though yeah. the the show was short lived, it did move on to give her other things. And her filmography is extensive. She's acted on and off, you know, from the eighties even up until now. But really, her acting career kind of died down in the mid to late 90s and actually i have a listing of her filmography would you be interested in hearing some of the stuff she yeah, was in of course her first television role was in a show called baby makes five i assume Ooh. as the baby i hope she was a voice in charlie brown she was on the twilight zone the 80s remake she was in webster webster okay it was just fun uh, oh, an Uncle Tom's Cabin TV movie. I'm sure that's that's problematic. Uh, this is this is true. The Golden Girls. Okay, I actually like the Golden Girls. I love the Golden Girls. I was watching an episode of Golden Girls, not realizing she was in it, and then she comes in that she's a she plays a Girl Scout, I think. Okay, and I was like, oh, hey, there she is, Jenny, Jenny. And my wife said, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not. Irregular. <laughs> That's not irregular. Yeah. A lot of stuff here. Mr. Belvedere, Growing Pains. Great, great. She graduates to do some films. She was in the, uh, 1989's Troop Beverly Hills. Okay. She was on Roseanne. Damn. Baywatch. Mm. Perry Mason. The list goes on Murder, she wrote. A lot of murder mysteries. I hope she was on Columbo. Ooh, Sweet Temptation. I don't know what that means. Oh, she was in the movie Pleasantville, which okay. I enjoy. That's late in the game for her. Is that 90s Pleasantville? Yeah, 98. One of the one of the last few there. And then so on and so forth. Um, that's really it toward the tail end of the 90s because Jenny, you know, a lot of child stars' stories don't really end well. Yeah. They tend to get typecast. They tend to get mocked, made fun of, and turned to drugs. And, yeah. You know, it can get pretty ugly right. for some of them. I would say it's about a 50-50. Right. You know, whether yeah, yeah. or not you're going to branch out. And Jenny did a really smart thing where she diversified her career into music. Okay. Another passion for her. I was, I think, 13 when I wrote my first song. And I was a huge hip-hop fan for many, many years. And then I discovered indie rock. And that sort of guided me on my creative path. Because that seemed... It seemed like something I could do. You know, it was low-key enough where I could start a band with my friend and write songs and play in basements or wherever. It seemed very accessible, that kind of music. It was like anyone, anyone can play indie rock. It's for everyone. And around 1998 or so, you know, Jenny's about 21 kind of thing, yeah. living in the 90s, having fun, I assume going to raves? Raves, yeah. Wearing Dr. Seuss hats? Watching Clueless? She calls it the Daisy Age, and I assume that's because there are many daisies in Spin Doctor's videos. Yeah, there's a lot of those in a lot of those videos. That's like the whole second half of the song. Oh, yeah. There's little tiny purple glasses. If you gonna be ba- uh, no you more I mean? singing. No, stop. Stop. Yeah. And she's living in Silver Lake. Oh, really? In the 90s? She's having fun. She's partying. Sounds like a great time. Young girl, you know? And her boyfriend at the time, this guy named Blake, uh, uh, Blake Sennett, oh boy. invited her to contribute backing vocals to a band he and his friends Pierre DeReeder and Dave Rock were thinking about forming. And uh, Jenny agreed to join on the condition that she'd be allowed to sing lead vocals. Bold. That group would eventually be titled Rilo Kiley, and Rilo Kiley would go on to release four studio albums 
including a major uh, 2007 breakout hit, Under the Blacklight. And now that was the one that I got to know her from. So she had, the 2000s were were kind to Rilo Kylie and they were Mm. kind to Jenny overall, but it was 2007's Under the Blacklight that really kind of put her on that indie map, I think, for a lot of people. That was a big Warner release. And uh, I loved Under the Blacklight. Have you ever heard that album? Yeah, I have. And actually, I'm sitting here, you said Pierre DeReeder. So that is the guy that owns 6-4 Sound in, what was it, Silver Lake or Hamlet? One of those areas. I know this guy. I email him all the time. Really? I, I book sessions with him. And I he did mention the first time we met that he was in a band, and I looked it up, and I remember it being Rilo Kylie, but then I just forgot about it until literally right now. Wow. And I'm a little spooked. Yeah. I mean, I've got He's a like, little contact starstruck going on. We, I got, I've got a guy's email. <laughs> Ah, there's a celebrity in the house. <laughs> you know, he's a great guy. Pierre's a really, really good guy. Uh, the band's great. They yeah. sound awesome. They make, I would call it, like an indie rock version of Fleetwood Mac. It's um, Yes, that's it, about right. It leaned a little country at the beginning, but then they really hit their stride and kind of created this solid pop rock song catalog with these an emphasis on mm-hmm. harmony and these soaring acoustic sounds. And Under the Black Light is just... A very garage rock soundy thing, which is what made me gravitate toward it. You know, Blake may have thought he was going to be the lead singer mm-hmm. to start, but it is evident as the albums progress that that was not destined to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Because as the albums go, his vocals start to die off Plus, and her vocals start to permeate. She has a great voice, big old voice too. Yeah. So by Under the Blacklight, she's singing, I want to say every song, except I think they duet on one or two. And that's kind of why I wound up loving her solo career, because that is what I love about Rilo Kylie. Mm-hmm. I love her voice mixed with that sound. It's not as if the sun won't shine when clouds up above wash the blues away. Are we breaking up? the stripes and the strokes were hanging out in the fires of the stooges jenny and co were hanging out with george in the garden you know yeah george harrison in the garden george harrison yeah no george harrison in the garden is a great image it's it's definitely true there's i hear a lot of these country influences on these songs and a lot of guitar tones that are definitely nods to the beatles she clearly loves the classic rock guys yeah being involved with jeff lynn or ringo or Ben Gibbard, this this community of people that are songwriters that love classic songwriting. I yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. 
So the way I got to her solo career, just me personally, big fan of Under the Blacklight, yeah. listened to it a lot, but didn't really revisit much of her work beyond that. And then it wasn't until a couple years ago, I want to say 2017, that I realized she had a solo career and I wound up going through her whole discography. And man, it's good. It's really, it's good, really yeah. good stuff. Very good. And I think I wound up liking it better than um, Rilo Kylie. But anyway, to finish out her bio here, that album, Under the Black Light, was, uh, you know, it was a fairly substantial hit, at least amongst the rock community. It was number 22 on the Billboard Top 200, right. number five on the alternative charts. So it's doing what a rock album should do. Maybe not as monster a hit as uh, more poppy things, but as far as like throwback indie rock goes, that's a pretty successful yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And even though that album was a success, it came at a great cost because Blake and Jenny split up around the time of Blacklight. I want to say either before or right after or during or something in that window. Sounds about right, yeah. Their relationship was on the rocks and the band split. And even though they wouldn't formally break up until 2011, it was that ending that marked the ending. Blake and Jenny's relationship ending really sealed that band's fate. And... um, well, we mentioned Rilo Kylie as a group didn't end until the 20-teens. Jenny had been flirting with a solo career as early as 2004 with an album called Rabbit Fur Coat, which she recorded with her friends, the Watson Twins. And it got a lot of, you know, positive reviews and helped propel her solo star a little bit more outside of Rilo Kylie. Mm-hmm. It was a modest showing. It was number 88 on Billboard Top 200, but it uh, reached the number six position in the indie charts. And this is the one where she covers Handle With Care which we talked about by the Traveling Wilburys, which I don't know if I love the cover. I just love that they did it. I'm yeah. kind of excited about that. Same, yeah. It's it's an okay record. Yeah. Been beat up and battered round Been sent up and I've been shot down You're the best thing that I've ever found Handle me with care Reputations changeable, situations tolerable, baby you're adorable. You know, it, even as a pretty big Jenny fan these days, like I don't really go back to that one a lot. I know a lot of people do, and a lot of people yeah. love it. But it's, I don't know, it's something about it that feels a little plotty, it feels a little tame. And I like mm-hmm. her when she's letting the pop rock fires burn, you know what right. I mean? Really let it go. So in 2008, one year after the monster success of Under the Black Light, she released what many consider to be her best album, which mm. is uh, Acid Tongue. And that one peaked at number 24 on the Billboard Top 200, number 55 in the UK. Now, I, I love this one. A lot of great songs. This is the one where she duets with Elvis Costello on a song called Carpetbaggers. Oh, that's a good song. There's a lot of other notable guests on this, including, you might know this guy, Davey Farraher? No, I don't know Davey Farraher. From Elvis's band, The Imposters? Does he play the bass? Probably plays the bass. Yeah. He's the guy that replaced Bruce Thomas. Yeah. Zoe Deschanel and M. Ward are on there, a bunch of others. M. Ward is great. I love M. Ward. Yeah. Hold time on that. It's like the, it's good. The, the wildest stuff is that these albums that were indie records... Mm. 
that I loved that were already throwback albums are now 10 years old or more. Yeah. And you're like, where is the time going? <laughs> it, yeah. It's how I feel like, uh, you know, our parents' generation must have thought about the new wavers, you know, because the new wave artists yeah. were throwback in their own way. Yes. And then suddenly they're now classic rock. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the Cars and the... Even Costello. Like, Definitely Elvis. Yeah. Debbie Harry, all that. Right. We mentioned Debbie Harry a lot on this show. We really got to do a... wrong with that. Blondie album. Actually, it's funny. Between recording the end of season one and the start of season two, I saw M. Ward with she and him out here in L.A. doing a Christmas show. And it was lovely. Sounds lovely. It was very nice. Sounds like a delight. Anyway, one last thing about Acid Tongue. One of the cool promos that she did for that record was mm-hmm. she created a toll-free telephone number to call to hear the title track. So if you called one eight 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 seven one seven acid you could hear the title track. And I thought that was a cute little <laughs> production. I'm not sure how much it helped much, but it was sort of whimsical and funny. Anyway, her then-boyfriend Jonathan Rice produced that album, and Jonathan Rice would become the next major romantic presence in Jenny's yeah. life. So the one thing about Jenny's career is it's so tied to her personal life in a way because her relationship with Blake defined Rilo Kiley for a decade. Right. And now we're entering the Johnny period. Right. And that's another whole decade. And Johnny not only produced this album, but the two would go on to form a duo called Jenny and Johnny and release a record under that name. And again, it's fine. But Mm. like when I listen to Jenny Lewis records, I'm there to hear her voice. Right. And when they split the vocals, it's just like, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's, yeah. yeah, but some of the songs are okay. So Jenny and Johnny were together for uh, 12 years. And in that 12 years, they would make another record called The Voyager, which is what we're talking oh, about here today. Oh, I thought it was going to be something like Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> you set me up. I was like, oh, it's the one we're talking about. That makes sense. Yeah. So Johnny heavily involved in uh, The Voyager, but I think... Ryan, that this album, The Voyager, yes. is maybe a year or two, a couple of years prior to their split. And Under the Blacklight, same deal. Kind of catching Jenny at the tail end of her relationship with Blake. And so Under the Blacklight, The Voyager, spiritually akin, and it explains why I love this album so much. They're both yeah. the bookends. In fact, I think she mentions the word bookends in one of her songs that uh, the bookends to her relationships, both professionally and personally. Mm. I just got to take a moment to say I love this show because I had that sensation again <laughs> where I I like zoned out, not in a bad way, in a flow state. And I was just listening to a podcast. And then I, and I zoomed back in. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm recording a podcast. Yeah, we're here. I have to talk in a second. <laughs> I'm complimenting your Thank you. soulful tones. Oh, dulcet. They're so dulcet. But yeah, the bookend stuff, that's, that's, that's great. The way you tie this stuff together, I really... I, I, oh, well, thanks. Big Brian. fan. I'm a big fan. Hey. I'm, this is my email in. <laughs> big you fan. Know, I don't know if you ever have this with artists, Ryan, but I sometimes can't separate the artist from the f- first record I heard of theirs. Abs- yeah, absolutely. I do that all the time. I'm always measuring it against that. You as know. good as, or... Right. Yeah, I know Mercer has a problem with that. I keep saying Chris Mercer, for those of you who don't know, that's I do Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney Archive podcast with him. Oh, it's lovely. And, yeah, he has a lot of rules for stuff like that, where we're not going to do any as good <laughs> since, or as good as, and we're not ranking anything. 
Nothing's getting ranked. <laughs> there will be no fun had here today. Oh, uh, God. Oh, I love that guy. He's so fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so you're talking about comparing this stuff to the Rilo period? Or? Yeah, so, I mean, Under the Blacklight was a formative record for me. I listened to that a lot right as I was graduating college. It came out in 2007. I was listening to that quite a bit Yeah. as I was entering my life as an adult outside of school. And so... I also had gone through a really bad breakup in 2007 and there's a song on that album called uh, Breaking Up and it's 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 funny it's a hopeful song like yeah. Jenny has all these really hard personal struggles she goes through uh-huh. but she always has that little hopeful like I don't know there's a tone about it that says don't take it too seriously yeah. you'll be oh, dead yeah, 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 yeah we're all going to die so like don't um, get too worked up uh, about spoiler it spoiler alert also <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> was that an instant karma pretty soon you're going to be dead yeah it's later than you think, man. So just chill out. Everybody but, needs to relax. Right. I think the, the kind of pressure for women to achieve in their 30s and once they near 40, I think certain doors close. You're suddenly faced with mortality and you're suddenly faced with, you know, your own purpose in this life. So I think a lot of these big questions struck me. It's something that I wanted to discuss. I don't know if it had ever been talked about in that way in a song before. But I also wanted it to be a little light as well. It's not a dark statement. It's just an acknowledgement of how it is. About this album, Jenny told Rolling Stone, making the Voyager got me through one of the most difficult periods of my life. Mm. After Rilo Kylie broke up and a few really intense personal things happened, I completely melted down. It nearly destroyed me. I had such severe insomnia that at one point I didn't sleep for five straight nights. Many of the songs on the Voyager came out of the need to occupy my mind in the moments when I just couldn't shut down. The end of Rilo Kylie came after the death of Jenny's estranged father in 2010. She was grappling with that, yeah. as well as the band that had propelled her to the second portion of her career broke down, and it's just a really transformative time for mm-hmm. her. And that's when she came into contact with noted asshole and fake punk jacket liar Ryan Adams, who... Well, I'm glad you didn't say Brady. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ryan Adams, he's a bad guy, right? Yeah. Not a good guy. So here's the here's the, here's the shitty part about this record. So Ryan Adams produced most of this album. Mm. The one we're talking about? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So I don't know how you feel about Ryan Adams. Look, putting aside the idea that he's a monster for a moment, I don't know what your feelings on his music were. I always sort of liked him. Average. Average. I was like, I was like okay, cool. He's a haircut and a jean jacket or whatever. Yeah. That's it. It's a, whatever. It's middle of the road. I really liked an album he did called cold roses which is sort of a country album he, yeah he did in 2004 and that was pretty much it I, I listened on and off but the point is he's got a pop rock sensibility and again even though he's a prick to people in his life i think he actually got a good sound out of jenny the album sounds great the production is really good you have <sighs> to separate the art from I the know. artist it's tough though i still can watch some woody allen movies and not think about it. Yeah. But do I want to hang out with Woody Allen? Probably not. No. I Probably know. not. I would like to see him play clarinet. He does it up on upper, up the Upper West Side or whatever. Really? But he's going to be that. dead soon anyway. Who cares? Pretty soon you're going to be dead. Pretty soon you're going to be dead. <sighs> I like how dark this episode is already. It's pretty dark. Yeah, for an opening. diving right in. Yeah. 
uh, the deep end. <laughs> Jenny said about working with Ryan. Ryan and I didn't know each other very well before this album. We had hardly even listened to one another's music, to be honest. But I trusted the vision. And Ryan ended up being the person to get me over the fear of finishing something I'd been working on for so long. Hmm. This record was the hardest one I've ever made. The Voyager tells the story, the longest night of my life, and the journey to finally getting toward some rest. Great. I've been playing with him on and off for about a year now. Mm. Um, He produced a good portion of the Voyager uh, with Mike Viola, who's his guitar player in his band, which I think they're calling themselves the Rats now. (laughs) They were the Shining, but I think now they're the Rats. But you'll have to ask him about that. For you musically, how's that been for you, working with someone like Ryan? Well, I I really admire him musically, you know, and, and I... I've learned so much just standing on the side of the stage watching him play. He puts on an amazing yeah. show. It sounds perfect up there. Um, there's so much like depth and, and nuance to his performance. Um, and being in the studio, I really needed someone to kind of help me get out of my own head. And he was the perfect person to do that. It's, it's as if he like grabbed me and like... Spun me around and then sort of like pushed me towards the microphone, and I was disoriented and somehow able to, you know, sing my songs. So the album was released on July 29th, 2014 on Warner. It was recorded at Sunset Sound Studios, Ryan's studio there in Hollywood. Um, Hollywood. You know her A&R man? Is it Lenny? Lenny. Let's Lenny. Lenny. I, I, so we're in. I'll say it. I don't care. We're in Warner right now doing this. Uh oh. And I see him every day, and I have I've been trying to figure out how to talk to him without being a creep. Because <laughs> he was Randy Newman's guy. He's Randy Newman's guy. A lot of those old guys guy, and he still has an office on the second floor. And I'll just I'll turn a corner to go get a coffee, and then Lenny's coming up the stairs, and ah! yeah. and I don't I'm a starstruck guy, but like that's. That guy fought for Randy Newman in the 70s and 60s. And yeah. he's, that's a good guy. I'd like to know that guy. Of course, yeah. Lenny made this record. Sounds like something that lyrics, he would love. production. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So Lenny uh, did that. Johnny Rice was also heavily involved in it. Johnny and Jenny produced some songs on it. There's also another producer on it, which I'm going to save as a surprise because I assume you haven't. You didn't read that I this person worked on it. I purposely did the least amount of work I could do. <laughs> um, Jenny did elaborate a little more on Ryan Adams in the studio. She said, in some ways, I felt like he was needling me. He was winding me up. I was somewhat agitated at times. And I think Yikes. it put me in a really cool place to perform those songs. Oh, so she liked it. But did she, though? That's the Kubrick method where he would make him do a million takes and drive Nicholson actually crazy. And I think that makes maybe both of them sociopaths. Yeah. Jenny Lewis definitely has an edge to her. She She's does. not a squeaky clean lady. This is it's, true. It's in the lyrics. So this, this part is fucked up, though. All right. So you know how in the in the, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom... Y- yeah. <laughs> where is this going? You remember, they used to, remember they used to play like... Really loud death metal. Yes. In uh, yes. Cuba, Guantanamo Bay. Guantanamo Bay. Remember they used to play really loud death metal to their enemy combatants to like make them 
crack psychological warfare so much like operation iraqi freedom ryan adams (laughs) used to make jenny listen to five or six creed songs really loudly on huge tube speakers what jenny said her ears would be bleeding oh i assume i hope that's an exaggeration yeah and it was creed and ryan was like this is great music i want you to hear it and by the third song i was like huh yeah maybe i can see that he was like gaslighting her in the studio wow that's not a that's not good. We like in especially knowing what we know about him now. Yeah, what you know now, that's what makes it spooky. It also explains ghoulish. <laughs> <sighs> so that's the backdrop of this thing. As you can see, it's a lot going on. It's a personal record. Should we, Ryan, get into oh, no. a certain oh, corner? No. I've missed this. Good morning. I'm gonna be your instructor. Okay, I know you're anxious to jump right in. I miss. I actually rented and I bought where this quote is from just so I could rewatch <laughs> the scene because I became so obsessed with this moment. You've tr- you've somehow psychologically Pavlovian brainwashed me. <laughs> I'm sitting quietly and I'm waiting. Welcome to Paul's bullet. Yeah! Yes. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so. This is where I summarize the album with weird poetry. The first bullet in Paul's bullet corner. The wistful pastel paralysis of the kind of cosmic contingent. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, just keep going. I'll rewind it when I re-listen to the episode. These are amazing. A silver lake rainbow high above the junky trash. (laughs) (laughs) These are getting surreal. Yeah. Surreal fun. You know what I'm saying? Blink and you won't miss the DeLorean of Melody making an illegal left turn. Doc! Great Scott! (laughs) Marty! (laughs) The last one. Polyamorous? Polyamalicious? Polyanimosity? Polly Pocket. <laughs> and a, it's been Paul's bullet quarter. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Can uh. I get that, uh, where are those yams? <laughs> hey, callbacks. <laughs> Let's get into the record, huh? Head Underwater, track one. I've been wearing all black since the day it started. When I stopped and looked back As my mind departed I've been losing sleep And I cannot sit still I'm not the same woman That you used to I put my head underwater, baby You know, every record I feel like I'm starting to sound like a broken record that you turn in. Mm. I put it on. I'm like, yes, oh, it's great. And then it just gets better and better and better. And I'm like, how? Where? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? And then I go, oh, wait, this is the whole point of this. Relax, guy. You're going to die one day. Yeah. Just relax. Yeah. I love the chorus of this song. Yes. And specifically, I wrote these lines down. There's a little bit of magic. Everyone has it. 
There's a little bit of sand left in the hourglass. There's a little bit of magic everyone has it. There's a little bit of fight left in me yet. Yeah. And just the way she says, left in me that phrase. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, it's, it's like, I can totally relate to that as a white man in his 30s. <laughs> I wrote that same line down. It's my favorite it's line from the song. It's so great. It's a highlight of the, of the song, I think. Sometimes there's portions of the songs that are so good, yeah. it outshines the rest. And sometimes I feel like there are bridges that the chorus can't cash almost in a way. Like sure. there's so, yeah, yeah. your expectations are built so high because the, and that's one of those. That's one of those where right. that hook is so good. It's very good. That it makes the rest of the song feel a little lesser to me personally because there's such a shining gem in there. Mm-hmm. I listened to this album for the first time during a period. I do these things sometimes where I go completely sober for a hundred days just to see. I've done that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it refreshes clarity. It helps you get fucked up when you get back on <laughs> drinking hard. But yeah, go ahead. So imagine I'm 55 days into complete total sobriety, and it's a rainy LA day. Uh-huh. And I put this on and go for a two-hour walk. Okay. And that's the mood I'm listening to this thing in. And when I heard this song, I actually didn't really like it at first because it just sort of sounded like an echo of Rilo Kylie to me and I didn't really oh yeah you can hear that I couldn't get into it but those little moments kept happening over Mm. and over and over again and I found myself listening to the record over and over and over again and now it's at the point where it's one of my favorite albums and this song is an example of that this one was a grower for me this one took a few knocks at the you know at the tree I love the backing vocals I love the little backward vocal at the beginning it sort of fades in with the yeah, that's the production we're talking about where I'm like, I can't believe that's Adams. Yeah, it's crisp, it's clean, it's dynamic. They're not afraid of quiet moments and placing those quiet moments next to louder ones to give yeah. you some, you know, some maximum effect from that stuff. So Jenny and Johnny produced this song together. Okay. This is one of the ones that Jenny and Johnny did. And um, her voice just is so good, not only in the lead, but the backing vocals. They're mostly Jenny. It's why I don't really miss Rilo Kylie. It's because I'm yes. getting Rilo Kylie out of this, but with just her. Yeah, you're getting the, the, yeah. the hit. It's like oops all berries. You know, like we cut out the bullshit, Captain. <laughs> hey, Captain, enough with the bullshit. You just hit me with some cereal analogies, and now I just want a bowl. I'll have almond milk, though. No, none of that real milk. <laughs> fucking farmer fucking shit. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Smuggling myself. <laughs> about the midwest just gives you the good stuff man just gives you yeah. the good stuff the stuff that really cuts your gums if you bite it the yeah. wrong way it's a double stuff oreo oh those are so good aren't they they got mint ones of those now they got a, different flavors every yeah fiscal quarter it's every seems. gd day <laughs> what are you my grandfather i had the mega stuff richard brady is here back from the dead oh richard it hates you, Oreos. Noted Oreo no, no, flavor he hater. He used to say stuff like that, like GD, ah. and he'd say cry eye. He's like, cry eye. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> cry what eye. What are you saying, grandfather? What are you saying, Christ Almighty? Something like that, yeah. So serial. This is just the good stuff. It's the good stuff. You're so right. That brings us to track two here. She's not me. Now, ooh. 
This one makes me feel a lot of different things. Yeah. Oh, tell me. This, I want to hear it just all. Just the whole... I'm doing the gimme fingers. I'm going to say... I think it's my favorite on the album. Whoa. Yeah. whole set of lyrics and the whole story of specifically this line where she goes remember the night i destroyed it all when i told you i cheated and you punched through the drywall i took you for granted i like that little like granite granted oh yeah drywall thing and when you were all i needed and she's looking back and i i don't feel like we really hear this often in pop music where the woman was saying oh no no i was a nightmare I was nuts and you were great and you held me down and I fucked it up right I think that's I think that's why it's my favorite And you punched through the drywall I took it for granted When you were all that I You rarely get this perspective. You get the the woman looks back and her she screwed up her life and she had the good guy. And that's why I like this record generally because you do get this rock and roll perspective of a woman that you wouldn't normally get. Yes. I love this song. Uh, it's funny. You, you and I are picking the same quotes. I picked the poll that you had about the punching through the drywall yeah. as an example of an instance of her songwriting where it's so hyper-specific that it shouldn't be relatable because it's so unique seemingly to an event, but the way she frames those specificities makes them feel relatable, and I think a lot of that comes from her voice, too. Right. When she's singing, it feels like she's singing for you. It yeah. feels like she's singing to you. There's a great music video for this one. I don't know if you watched it. It stars Vanessa Bayer. And Fred Armisen. Oh, yeah, I watched it. It's really... She pulls in a lot of names on her music videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedians so. love her. Apparent, I mean, not more. She just has the cash to pay him. It may be the L.A. thing. Could be. I mean, she also, you know, going from child actress to musician has touched a lot of different areas of show business. I think her and Vanessa Bayer are good friends, at least from what I understand. Yeah. But this is an example of great sequencing for me because that first song is you know it's bouncy but it's also got like um there's an understated quality about it yeah and then this one has that acoustic wall of sound kind of thing coming in and the strings are just so good i mean i love strings on pop records but this one is so tastefully arranged and well done it's you know yeah. it's that george martin shit you know mm-hmm. arranged by a musician by the name of daphne chen it's just it's really good there's a moody flavor to the song it's, there's a guttural flavor to the song mike viola and ryan adams co-produced this one this is another single on the mike record. viola do you know mike? i know mike viola he wrote the song that thing you do from that movie by the same name he has a whole solo career yeah you doing that thing yeah that's the same guy 
Pike Viola. I reference that thing you do later in my notes. There's a reason that this podcast exists. <laughs> I cannot believe that on a subconscious level, my brain went to that thing you do. Must be something he does in his songwriting or his melodies that triggered that later. Amazing. On this song or the... Uh, it's on a later song. Wild. Well, yeah, because viola's all over this one. Right? I'm amazed. My mouth is agape. I'm doing the guitar solo. Maybe I'm amazed. <laughs> Terribly also. Oh, hey, speaking of guitar solos, guitar solo yes. all over this one. It's got that stuff in there. You know, we talked about sometimes I need a jangling guitar. Sometimes I need a guitar solo. Mm. Eh, very good guitar. Very good. Very good guitar. Well, that brings us, Ryan, to track three. My favorite song on the record. Okay. Just one of the guys? One of, I think, her finest songs that she's ever written. One featuring a guest producer, Ryan. Can you guess who the guest producer is on this? Guest producer on Just One of the Guys. Is it Taylor Swift? Beck Hansen. Beck! Beck, of course. That makes complete sense. Beck produced one of the guys, and he also, there's, I think that's him on backing vocals on there. The Lone Song produced by Beck on the record, and God damn it if it's not my favorite yeah. on the record. It was the first single released on June 2nd, 2014, and it's got that lazy, anthemic flavor Beck is so good yeah. at, you know, that uh-huh. Gen X-y, I don't care, but I also care a lot, like, kind of thing, that dichotomy in all his songs. And there's also a hip-hop-y feel to yeah. how it's constructed. True. And the beat and things like that. Uh, Jenny's voice just climbs into my soul with this. I don't know how to describe it. It's just there's a sense of hopelessness to the struggle that Jenny is vocalizing. But sure. there's also a defiance there, mm-hmm. all framed as, yeah, but we're going to die soon, so it's fine. Yeah, well, the song's about aging out. Right. Roughly, right? It is about aging out. But then also a little commentary on men, women, relations, What's the line? No matter how hard I try to be just one of the guys, there's a little something inside of me that won't let me. Now, I take that as metaphor, but that's also literally true. Yes. We're three for three on quotes. That was the only one I pulled. Seriously? Yeah. Three for three? <laughs> Episode one, season two. It's, yeah, it's about that on a level. Like, uh, if I'm caught being rude in a conversation to a child brat on her summer vacation, you know? Yeah. I think she's talking about younger girls who are in that mix now who are right. fighting for their spot in the line. But I think people might write me off because I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, knocking on 40. But it's ridiculous. It's totally absurd that dudes don't have to, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I were a man. And I struggle, you know, I, I'm absolutely a feminist, but I grew up being just one of the guys. I was a tomboy. And in my life, I try to express 
feminism through my other relationships with other women and in repairing, you know, the relationship with my own mother and extending employment to women in my band. The reason this one spoke to me so much is there's a line where she says, uh, all I can see is I'm just another lady without a baby. And right. in the uh, music video, she has the pregnancy test. And at the time, my wife and I were going through some pretty intense infertility struggles. And they were like a kick in the balls every single month. It was really hard. And um, when I heard this song, that's what jumped out to me. I don't know why I was placing my own experience upon hers, because that's not really what the song is all about. But it's also about getting older and being within friend groups and how your position in those friend groups evolves, but also your perspective on what the friend group even means evolves because she's looking at it in a cynical way yeah all these people are vying for it's like the fucking serengeti or something like they're all (laughs) jockeying yeah and she's sort of opting out in a way but also a little bitter about the fact that she feels the need to opt out and thinking about being an adult and thinking about a family and thinking about how different that is from what her experience is currently and what it has been so there was something just really, really touching to me about the lyrics and hit me hard. Yeah. Hit me really hard. Makes complete sense. I don't have children and I, that's cool for now. And maybe I will and that'll be fine too. But it's okay to make that choice for yourself. But I, I guess my point in the song is that it doesn't really matter. You know, you're, whatever you choose, it's cool. There's only one difference between you and me. When I look at myself, all I can see, I'm just another lady without a baby. Great music video for this one, too. I, I shared it with you last night. There's uh, That's a great video. It's Kristen Stewart, uh, Captain Marvel, and uh, Catwoman. Catwoman. All playing in Jenny's band, and then they all dress up in drag and do their thing, and it's uh, it's very funny. It's great, yeah. Great. It's I and I missed that. I I didn't see that until you were like, hey, by the way, you should probably check this out. And I was like, yes, he is correct. It's great. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's it's good. I don't like it as much as track two. Yeah, I just like the title. She's not me. Yeah, there's something I like about titles where it can apply to anyone. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, just one of the guys could as well, but you're kind of, I think yeah. the concept is if you're a man singing that, you're being literal about that. Right. If you're a woman about that, there's a deeper commentary. But yeah, I, my point I'm trying to make is usually you're not this far in an album and you're like, yeah, all these songs are good and they're getting better. Yeah. And also relatable across gender, at least to me, they were. That's the mark of a good songwriter is when you've got that she's not me, just one of the guys. Yeah. They're very, they're female oriented songs. Like Most of this album is. But I was able to relate to it from a male perspective, and that just speaks to the strength of the material. Sure. And the conviction totally. in which it's being sung in. So that leads to track four, Slippery Slopes. I love this song. Another great chorus. It was a slow burn for me for that reason, because I think the chorus, the bridge and the chorus ultimately do that thing I said earlier. They write the check that the rest of the song doesn't can't necessarily sure, cash. Yeah. Because the rest of the song sounds an awful lot like the Rilo Kylie song, Under the Blacklight. Okay. I'll play the side-by-side here so you can hear it.
I bridge to the chorus thing, and if you don't expect it, I won't expect it either when we take off our clothes. If for just one second, it helps you to forget all about slippery slopes, mushrooms, and coke. I like how the drugs change. Yeah. Whiskey and, Whiskey cloves, and cloves. Mushrooms and Coke. All There's the imagery there. It's it's great. It's really good songwriting. Yeah, it's a song. Great track four. It's a great track four. I think it's another really strong one. There's that psychedelia floating around Jenny's voice, but also with that chugging guitar and the sort of standard yeah. rock drumming happening. Another Ryan Adams, Mike Viola production. She's in this song sort of musing about cheating on her boyfriend or the polyamory situation that they got into, right. which I'm to understand is a part of their thing. Her and Johnny Rice, I mean. Songs like this one, and there's another one later, Aloha and the Three Johns, say to me, she was really trying to make this relationship work. Right. And maybe, and he was probably too. And ultimately, it was just not going to. Yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So there's struggle. There's a lot of struggle in these songs. I also think there's some dual imagery in Slippery Slopes, because that's a common phrase. You hear that in economics or politics. Oh, it's a slippery slope, you know? Yeah. You do one thing and you tumble down. But she could literally be talking about slopes as the curves in a female's body. Oh, yeah. If the polyamory. Wow. Right. That's why I love this album. It's a lot of... I love lyrics that are double or triple or, you know, sometimes good ones can do quadruple entendre. Yeah, yeah. But I see that in here. Because she does put a lot of sex into her marketing. Sure. The videos and... Sure. She's always, like, it's always her body. Like, she cuts her face off the record covers, right? It's like her body. <laughs> her latest record, which was released last year and is um, excellent, has, yeah, it's just her... It's in, like, a she's got one of those triangle cut tops what we're trying to say it's her breasts i don't know it's not really explicit but like it's i do explicit like, at all like it's like oh yeah there's a there's her birthmark third spoiler alert sex sells it's true it's very it does, true yeah that brings us to track five late bloomer this is another mike viola ryan adams production now this one is again kind of a throwback to under the blacklight i, I think it explains why I find so much parallel between those two. So there's a song on Under the Blacklight called 15 mm-hmm. about a girl who's 15 and uh, being eyed and preyed upon and et cetera by bold, much older men. Bold choice. Again, she plays it in a whimsical way, but sure. it's also, there's a subversion to it where it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, these people are monsters, but she's doing it in sort of an accessible way. Come on, Ryan, man. Not me, the <laughs> Ryan Adams. I know. More Fleetwood Mac vibes on this one. Um, I got Tom Petty vibes on this song. Tom Petty. Interesting. I guess it's similar. Big kind of chunky guitars and drum beat. Well, you're going to love this. So via Song Facts, which I find is a really helpful resource in doing research for shows like this. Yeah. Here's a couple of bullet points from Song Facts. Jenny Lewis worked on this one as a coming-of-age tune for several years. Several years? Wow. Yeah, gradually developing the story about meeting a fellow music lover called Nancy in Europe. She told Paste Magazine the core of the song was based on her own experiences. When I was a teenager, Jenny says, I went to Europe on a backpacking trip by myself and met a woman who was following Sebado. Lewis said, it was the early 90s, and that was my intro to indie rock. Lewis later recalled that she played the song 
to Ryan Adams, and his reaction was frustration. Interesting. Quote, it agitated him, said Lewis. Good. He didn't know what to do with it because he thought it was so confessional. And apparently Jenny insisted it's not confessional, although it is based on her experiences. Ryan Adams then sent her to work on the tune with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, you're kidding me. Keyboardist, Benmont Tench. Benmont fucking Tench, So definitely Mm -hmm. my subconscious subconscious caught. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely notes of Tom Petty that come out of the, I guess it's the keyboard part. Yeah. Well, we got that thing you do in Tom Petty without even realizing it. When I turned 16... In the song's final verse, Lewis and Nancy hook up with their hero, singer-instrumentalist Lou Barlow of Sebadoa slash Dinosaur Jr. Yeah. And Barlow actually sings on this track. I sent the song to him and told him the story behind it, Lewis recalled. I was totally surprised that he actually came to the studio because it was a bit stalkery on my part. It was the most meta thing I've ever done. Wow. So I didn't know any of that before doing research for this song. I just thought it was another like general, hey, young girl on an adventure slash maybe being taken advantage of kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, singing about what she knows, you know, singing her own experience in a relatable way. I do like this one. I, I, there's not a, I, I, you know, but again, don't want to sound like a dork here, but it hasn't been a bad one yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that brings us to track six. Now, if I had to pick one that I don't, maybe love i actually wrote feels like the only throwaway of the album see we're on the same exact same page. page track six you can't outrun them it's fine it's another jenny and johnny production i think it's just i don't love this just because there's so many other better songs on the record yeah but again there's that hook in here that really does surpass the totality of the song much like head underwater at the beginning yeah. there's that bit where she says and what those witch doctors do to you, I wouldn't want it for myself or whatever. There's like uh, the bridge to the chorus and the bridge is just so, so strong. And then there's those bongos on it. And actually, now that I was listening to it last night and thinking about it, this one sounds an awful lot like No Values. Ooh, I love, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do like No Values a lot. I love No Values. <laughs> no. This is a Paul McCartney song we're talking about. Yeah, one of the three original songs from give my regards to broad street and apparently there were wings versions of those songs yes in the mm-hmm. somewhere from the rehearsals yeah i've heard those yeah they're, they're good they're good the ones where they do like ballroom dancing and oh yeah good stuff yeah beetle vibes big beetle big vibes time with fleetwood mac that again i just it sounds like something off of rumors this thing mm-hmm. you got struck with some bad luck there's a black cat by your side I'm afraid you chose the red door with the triple six neon sign. And what those witch doctors do to you, I wouldn't want it for myself. After all that you've been through. I like the line, what the Lord has planned for you. I guess that it was meant, wanted to get to know you before you were dead. Ooh. A gorgeous little turn of phrase. She's just a great lyricist. 
Fantastic lyricist. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot on this one. Yeah, well, let's move on to track seven, The New You. It's another highlight. Yeah. Every really single good. lyric in this song. I'm just going, yep, uh-huh. I mean, just pull the list out, listeners, and you go, oh, yeah, this is a, she's really honed this craft, this ability to yeah. put pen to page. I'm I'm impressed. The bridge again. But I can read your fortune just like You like her bridges. Yeah. Sometimes I think they're better than the rest sometimes of the song. Sometimes they are. And sometimes, I mean, if there's any reason to take points off the record is maybe she could have taken some of these big bridges and turned them into choruses yeah. and deleted a couple songs. But yeah. it's good. It's good yeah. we have the album. But There's a song on Acid Tongue that kind of does that. It's a really, it's like 10, 7 or 10 minutes or something. It's a long song. Yeah. Almost as sweet, but it's, it basically does what you're describing. It takes the bridges she's so good at and expands upon them and then just sort of treats it as a mini song suite. And it's worth listening to out there, uh, listeners, if you haven't heard um, that one. Yeah. On Acid Tongue. There's great imagery in all the different stanzas, in all the different uh, verses. Mm-hmm. My favorite one is, and you struggle with sobriety, dreams of known variety, listening to kill them all, Metallica. Tend for high society, social anxiety, we missed you at the headbangers ball. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's so good. Really good. Yeah. I couldn't write that. It's just beautiful poetry. Another great guitar solo, just a lot of that stuff. And this one is kind of a sweet with the next track, which is Aloha and the Three Johns, which is another one of my favorites on the record. I feel like this one's basically a traveling Wilbury song featuring Jenny Lewis. Yeah, I wrote a bright sunshine pop tune about someone who thinks the biggest thing in their life is about to explode in their face. Mm. It's that thing you do. Real beat pop (laughs) shit going on. (laughs) (laughs) It's bouncy. It sounds like a 60s rock. Sounds like a I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like a 60s sunshine pop song. Right. Is this the end? Is this the end? Yeah. Right before. And John's been... Who is... Do we, is this the Is this the John? This is the John. Yeah. But why is it three Johns? I think she's saying that it's like a new you. It's why I link this one in a new you every day. Like mm, multiple sides of a personality or different phases in a life, different yeah. shades of character. I mean, it shows you that they're both actively cheating on each other a bunch. Part of this song where she talks about him getting a hand job in the hall. and Mm. It's all about a ruined vacation, I think, uh, is, is what this boils down to. Right. And then we get track nine, Love You Forever, another one of my favorites. 
maybe my my second favorite after just one of the guys. It's got an almost an '80s style chorus. Yeah, yeah, uh, Cynthia. And, and I, the spelling of a title even reminds me of Prince. Because oh, Prince yeah. would put U instead of Y-O-U, alternate spellings all the time. I don't know if it is an, uh, a send-up to Prince. Uh, Maybe a subtle thing. It's, you know, all the subconscious stuff. When I met you, you were just a boy. It was originally Love Him Forever, which uh, Jenny told Billboard magazine. And um, Jenny, when doing a take, accidentally sang Love You Forever, and Ryan stopped the take and said, no, no, that's the song. Because I was already gone. Call up your girlfriends, let's go out tonight. We're going to drink ourselves some burgundy wine. Talk all about how we've saved the day. I can't believe I'm getting married in May. Like I said before, love you forever is anybody can say that. The Beatles did all that stuff. Sure. She loves you. Yeah. You, it's not she loves him. Right. She loves her. Right. She loves you, Paul. I do. <laughs> well, the Beatles also gender flipped a bunch of like Motown women's songs. That is true. Please, Mr. Postman. Right. Which is actually kind of remarkably progressive for 1963 or whatever it was. I love Woke before woke was woke. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. (laughs) This is where she coins the phrase Daisy Age for the 90s. You know what? I'm just going to read the lyrics because I really, okay. I really like the lyrics of this song. So it goes, when I met you, you were just a boy. Mm-hmm. You were tongue-tied and wearing corduroy. When you kissed me, I was so annoyed because I was already gone. She's channeling party lifestyle and stuff. Call up your girlfriends. Let's go out tonight. We're going to drink ourselves some burgundy wine. Talk all about how we've saved the date. I can't believe I'm getting married in May. I could love you forever. I could love you until all the Polaroids mm-hmm. fade. We were kids then in the Daisy Age, and we wore peace signs as the riots blazed. Wow. When we candy flipped, we stayed out too late because we were already gone. Call up your girlfriends. Let's go out tonight. I want to reminisce and get a little high. Talk all about how we've saved the date. I can't believe I'm getting married in May. I could love you forever. I could love you until all your hair turns gray. Now we're living in Ladonia Estates, and we eat out every night and drink every day. There are some things money cannot say, like the feeling of hell in a hallway. I love the bit about the peace signs and the riots that how the other half lives radical shift between what the kids are doing in Silver Lake uh-huh. <laughs> with their skateboards and staying out too late. Those and, kids in Silver Lake. You know what I mean? That's what it's about. It's about yeah, it's their, true. Yeah. You know, they're just hanging out, you know, like uh, what's the song I used to, white people doing stuff, <laughs> drinking things and having fun. White people doing stuff. And then the people are just rioting not far from there. You know, right. It's the Rodney King stuff. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I grew up in in Van Nuys, off of Van Nuys Boulevard. And throughout my songwriting career, it's always been a reference point. Because that's where I spent my formative years. I mean, that's where I, you know, watched the L.A. riots on television when I was a teenager. You know, that's where I bought my first hip-hop record, which began my love and obsession with 
words. Although, you know, I was a suburban kid from the Valley, some of the themes, you know, within the NWA records that I was listening to, I couldn't exactly relate, but it was my music. And my mother's records, who I'd grown up listening to, those were her records. This was something that belonged to me. And it just sparked something in me. It, it made me realize that I had something to say. Jenny says, I was 15 when those happened, she recalls to Paste. And my friends were middle-class kids from the west side of Los Angeles. They were graffiti artists, bad yeah. kids for the most part, and they looted the gap on Melrose. Mm-hmm. We were watching this shit happen on the news, and these middle-class kids were looting in West Hollywood. Crazy. Crazy. Which brings us to the end of the record with the song, The Voyager. This is a big song. This has a lot of streams. So this song is what? It's one of the, her top tracks on Spotify. Is it? People, yeah, people apparently really like this record. It's a good one. It's got ELO stuff on there. Definitely. Cosmic. We're all the Voyager. Like she's talking about Spaceship Earth. You know, she's talking about you have to go on this journey. So you may as well do it right. And you may as yeah. well have fun and keep it interesting and... Trying, just try and get through it. Hey, hold on. Yeah. Just try and get through it because we're all doing it. So yes. just try is kind of the point just here. Just got to try. We are the Voyager. It's absolutely true. In the middle of nothingness and everythingness all at once. By the time I got your letter, I lost my mind. I was tripping when you get So the top three of this album on Spotify, I wrote down. Do you yeah. know what? Can you guess what they are? Well, you, you said the Voyager, so they're going to go with that one. Okay, but that, is it where is that in the top three? And this is just for this album. I'm not saying for her, her whole Spotify. I would say just one of the guys, number one. Correct. Um, She's Not Me, number two. And the Voyager, number three. Oh, so close. It flipped those. But you got the songs. Yeah. Guys, Voyager... She's not me. Yeah. You may have heard this album before. I had the pleasure of seeing her live twice on the last album's tour that she put out, which was also was was a response to the Johnny relationship ending. Yeah. And that album is excellent. That's the one with Ringo. And mm-hmm. I saw her at Amoeba and I saw her live and she does, she did some like new arrangements on the tracks and she did a sort of a ska version of the Voyager, which okay. had a little bouncy kind of reggae feel to it. And it was so good. She, uh, she can throw a party, man. She's Certainly. so, such a compelling singer, such a compelling songwriter, such a great live act. Jenny Lewis. There you go. There it is. So thank you all for joining us for the first episode of season two. I hope you take a listen to Jenny's album and let us know what you think. Reach out to us, you know, social media. Send us an email. Now hear this podcast at gmail.com. Tweets. We read the emails. We respond to the emails. Hey, strong bad. We're back. We're doing emails. We're doing talking. We're talking about the early 2000s. We can talk about Strong Bad. Check the emails. I used to love Strong Bad when the new one would come out. Yeah. Man, oh man. Well, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you next time for another fun one. Season two, episode two. Oh, two and two. 
cosmic. Bye-bye. Spaceship Earth. Do you have an opinion about the album we discussed today? Contact us at at now here this podcast on Instagram, at now here this pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash now here this podcast, or email us at now here this official at gmail.com. See you next time. Sorry, I'm just queuing up my notes here. I dove in too quickly. That's okay. <laughs> Okay. Just for the record, we had to change venues because there was hip hop tracks being played, and mm-hmm. the bass was so loud. Yeah. That through a door and two walls, it was still. <laughs> <laughs> so a rile up car. Well, hey, Ryan. Hey, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute mm. to help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate featuring the wonderful new donation technology that ACAST has developed for us. That's right. ACAST has helped us out. They host the show. Yeah, our hosts, ACAST, have made it really easy to donate to the show. They have an ACAST supporter feature, and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show. It can be five bucks, a hundred bucks, less than a dollar. We don't care. Yeah, just something to keep the lights on. It's all out of pocket, and we do this out of love, and that's it. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. Couldn't said it better myself. <laughs> okay. All right, well, bye then.